Dr. Frank Mallitz is with us. Now, the doc, not, listen, the first time we kind of got together, let me just go down memory, memory lane real quick. I mean, uh, you came on, we were talking about addiction, and you were part of this amazing water drop we gave. You donated like $1,000 worth of water, which is amazingly generous. Uh, and then, you know, we had you on a couple other times about addiction. And I, I think, if my memory serves me correct, you were one of the first people to come on and talk about COVID, weren't you? Uh, I think we were. I, I think you first. Actually, Called you and yeah. said I knew uh, two ladies yeah. from uh, with family members in Wuhan. Yeah, and uh, they were very concerned that right. we were not taking this seriously and enough. You brought a woman in here yeah. with a mask on. Oh. With a mask on. This is before anybody was wearing it. Oh. Scared the hell out of everybody in the building. I'm serious about that. Now everybody wears masks like it's no big deal. Right. 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 Isn't that weird? How yeah. in 365 days the it, whole world can change. It's. It was an amazing experience, yeah. yeah. And it was a great tribute to you to agree to bring her on. No, she was great. She was uh, excellent. That was yeah. that was good. That was a good show. All right, so let's let's start because we only you know we have a limited amount of time, and I want to try to squeeze as much in, in as we can. Sure. Um, you want to start with you know kind of give everybody your, from your perspective what we got going on with COVID right now. Well, the best news about COVID is a year later we're in a hugely different place, um, and the vaccines are reliable; they're out there, and um, it's you know I'm 68 years old. I got my first shot. Uh, my wife started working last week as a vaccinator up at the Massantucket Pequots. So you know, get the old folks that that have a lot to still give back. Right. Uh, let's get them working. Yeah. <laughs> so this is great. Yeah. But it's been a bit difficult because, um, you know, a year ago, as you said so well, we, we knew that this was a problem. Um, the world knew that it was a problem. And we knew we were going to, I mean, let's face it, the biotechnology world is unbelievable these days. We knew we were going to have a vaccine uh, at some point. Right. And um, I think the the rollout has been um, onerous, to, to be truthful, yeah. um, in trying to get the, the vaccine distributed, to get the medical records clear. Um, people literally, I'm one of them, sat on their phones for for weeks on end trying to get an appointment um get that into our medical records get get everything kind of seamlessly integrated it's it's been difficult um my my wife's a registered rn sure she hasn't worked for a little bit but you know there's there's a pool of people out there that are just amazing and um that I think could have been coordinated a little bit better. Um, and to be honest, Connecticut's doing pretty well. Yeah. How about now? Is it, is and it... we're doing well. We're, 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 we're out ahead of the curve. Yeah. And, and even though it's been less than integrated and less than seamless, I, I think we're going to be at the end of this uh, fairly soon. All right. Which, so thank goodness. Yeah. Well, of course I mean, we're all waiting for that three. So th- that 365 days ago, about Ooh. approximately, I mean, I don't remember what the numbers were. Probably, you know, by then, 20 million maybe coronavirus cases. Right now, we are up to 126 million across the the globe. With, you know, um, I guess 2.7 million deaths here in this country. What do we got? Close to 500,000 now. Um, 559. Sorry. So, is that what what you expected back in? The, is this worse than you expected? 
Boy, that's a really hard question. And of course, hindsight's always twenty twenty. So yeah. you you sit there and say, okay, the numbers are what they are. And yeah. uh, given the fact that we were sitting here a year ago talking about what what ifs, yeah. um, I I think it is what it is, which is a pandemic. Right. Um, we had no experience with this particular strain. Um, the virus is doing exactly what it's supposed to do, yeah. which is mutating. So we're already getting uh, mutant strains that right. are starting to rear their ugly heads. And that's that's certainly scary. But the bottom line is we've learned how to wear masks, wash our hands, think about distancing, right. learn a lot of new things. I mean, I sit, as you said earlier, uh, daily on zoom calls where we're still getting a lot of work done right and so the world's different i just think the reason why i bring that up is because we sat here and there were some reports could be 250 million people dying and you know we could have 25 million in this country alone and people were panicked right so that's sort of that i can remember the initial beginnings of this and driving to work and literally be the only one on the road like, I mean, nobody else at, right. at 4, 4.30 in the morning, 5 o'clock. Not a car in sight. Nowhere. Now it's, you know, everyone's back to, it's a different, you know, it, fe yeah. it feels different because people see that, you know, it if they get it, it doesn't necessarily give them a death sentence. So it's a different scenario. Maybe they don't take it as, maybe they don't take it as seriously. But I think people are scared to literally to death in the beginning. Well, and that was the thing that Saiwan wanted to do last year was not necessarily to put everybody into a frenzy or get everybody panicked, but simply to illustrate that there was some information that was coming through the families in Wuhan to families here saying, this is a big deal. Um, you know, who knows, as you said so well, who knows how big a deal it's going to turn out to be, but let's, let's start to think about it. And, uh, sad news was we weren't on television last year because you're right. She that would have been powerful. She was masked yeah. and dressed to the nines yeah. and wouldn't, wouldn't even give me a hug, <laughs> which was awful because yeah. that's, you know, yeah. that, that's the way we we did things before last year. Right. Do you still have any contact with, with her or them? Oh, oh, yeah. What's what's the perception? I mean, because China tells us that, you know, I mean, their death rate from this is like 22,000. Impossible, right? That China's only lost 20,000 people. I, I, I can't I can't buy that. Right. I mean, I mean, that's what they're saying. So I guess my question is from the reports that are coming back from her or her family members, I would think it's got to be different, right? Well, I believe the numbers are less than the, than we've experienced in terms of an infection rate. Um, but you know, again, why do you think that is? Um, it's it's a different uh, culture. Yeah. Um, when when there's a problem, as I understand from them over there, it's lockdown time. Yeah. Um, this this is America. Yeah. We we don't do that. Um, <laughs> we 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 have fought for a long time for yeah. for liberty and freedom and so you you can't shut us down quite as easily right. so so i think you know we our enculturation 
um, has certainly been affected by the pandemic, but I think we learned something. I think you're right about that. All right, let me ask you one more about this. We get on to some other things. There's so many other things that we can talk about with you. Dr. Frank Malitz is with us. Uh, you okay with the, this, these vaccines? Do you have any concern about any of them? Uh, I absolutely um, actually talked to Heather Summers and to Deirdre Gifford and said, if you need a poster child, um, I'd be willing. So um, as hard it is, as it has been to actually get my appointment, yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely comfortable. Okay. Um, the only thing that, of course, is of concern is the AstraZeneca one is, is reported to be a little bit higher risk for blood clots. So... You know, we, we, we actually got a call from a very close friend of ours over in England who was scheduled to get that particular vaccine, and she's had a pulmonary embolism, a blood clot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was a cautionary note to, right. to see if she could maybe get the Pfizer or the Moderna one. Uh, yeah, and, and, that, that, and what about the, the Johnson & Johnson one? What is that? It's only like 60% effective, I think. So I, to me, I mean, no offense, but unless you're giving it to folks... Because it's a one-time shot, and somebody made a good point about this yesterday. Unless you're giving it to people, and I hate to use like a homeless person who might not take, get, you know, about to be able to get them twice. You know what I mean? It would make it doesn't seem like that makes a lot of sense to take that one. Does that make it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, go with the ninety-five percent readers, right. and you know, right? If uh, if you ask me whether I'd rather have a ninety-five percent or a sixty percent in medical school for a grade, yeah, I th I think yeah. the answer is pretty clear. Yeah. My, my surgeon got a ninety-five on his test or a sixty-five. Give me yeah, the guy with the ninety-five. Yeah, every thank day. You. Thank you very much. Every day. <laughs> every day. All right. Listen. All right. So we'll put that to bed. If somebody's got a question for you, Doc, and they call in. Uh, listen, I, we'll open the phones and, and give the people an opportunity to call in. We have Dr. Frank Mallitz with us, and uh, he's one of our favorite people to bring on. He's always uh, straightforward and, and hits the nail on the head and gives us uh, the direct look and uh, no-nonsense look at some of this stuff. Addiction. You have been working tirelessly with addiction, and uh, I'm assuming that that hasn't changed much. People are still out there, and they're, you know. Well, as you know, the the answer is... Uh, it's actually much worse. Mm -hmm. um, the social isolation, and I hate to blame, and as you said so well, I mean, we've been working on this for, for the better part of four and a half years now, nonstop. Right. Um, and so it was a problem that predated, uh, you know, clearly me, uh, certainly predated COVID. Right. And so what has happened, of course, is the exacerbations um, of social isolation and the fact that folks are, you know, locked in their homes and have nothing else to do. Um, the, the, the drug availability, alcohol, um, the, the overdoses, and unfortunately suicides, mental illness, and... Uh, all of those associated uh, comorbidities have have worsened, have exacerbated, and um, that's it, it's um, hate to say predictable, mm. but it's predictable. Is it easier to get drugs now? Well, the thing that's I don't think certainly talking to somebody in my age, where in the '60s it was sort of you know you had to know somebody who knew somebody right. to. To, to get it right. and it came through a dealer and you usually had to buy it, you know, drive somewhere and buy it on the street. Right. 
um, with with this thing, the the yeah, cell a, phone and the internet, yeah. you you just you either order the ingredients or you order the products, and they get delivered to your door. Wait a second. Um, explain that to me. What do you mean? You, order, you can order fentanyl and get it delivered to your door? The the ingredients to make fentanyl are available. Are you kidding me? Oh, absolutely. Sure. Really? Yeah. So you mix it up in you you mix it up in your basement. Well, I understand where you know meth. They can get it by yeah doing all certain things, but you can do the same thing by putting together so, certain stuff for fentanyl as well. Wow. So the synthetic, I call them the kitchen chemists, but the synthetic kitchen chemists can get a hold of most things and, you know, find the ingredients and the recipes um, wow. and, and and infiltrate it into whatever you want to infiltrate it into. All right. And is it fentanyl still what people are, are using majority? That's what's killing folks still? Yeah. Our reports out of the um, uh, medical officers, you know, here in the state, are still saying that we're getting uh, combination drugs that are that are toxifying and increasing right. the potency of all the stuff that we were used to before. Right. So, I mean, the comment gets made all the time in public that this is, you know, not your grandmother's marijuana. This is, you know, not your, you know, not your standard '70s cocaine. Yeah. Uh, and and that's the story of addiction. I mean, you ch- the the addicted person chases their high. Mm. So what worked last week doesn't work this week. And so if you're in a good business model as a dealer, you, you have to keep upping the game in order to keep people addicted. Yeah, uh, amazing. So It is. That's amazing. Uh, and you mentioned marijuana. Since marijuana is going to be mainstream here in the state soon, sooner rather than later, is that a we talked? I think we've actually mentioned this, but that you consider that a gateway to the other drugs? Well, it's interesting because that comment gets made all the time too. It's a gateway drug, yeah. or or you know, nicotine is a gateway drug. the The answer I'm I'm I've modified my TED talk. Um, I I think the final common pathway. So I, I like to use that term rather than gateway is the human brain. Uh, that's, that's the final common gateway. And so whatever we put in there that psychoactively interfaces with its normal mechanism, that's a problem. Right. So the answer in truth is the statistics are not real clear. Hmm. That if you have too many cups of coffee every day, you're going to take marijuana, and that's going to lead to cocaine addiction, and then you're going to get methamphetamines. Right. The the brain gets to enjoy a certain, if you will, drug or behavior of choice. So just because you're addicted to gambling doesn't mean that you're also co-addicted to marijuana. However the the addiction pathways the pleasure and and that upping of the game all the time right. is still a problem in the world of addiction and it's the human brain that's the final common gateway or pathway where all that dysregulation occurs what organization does that make sense yeah no it makes perfect sense uh, absolutely 100% not necessarily one leads to another i just think that sometimes maybe there there are folks out there who have the belief that, okay, so you get high from marijuana, which may, might make you more likely to say, oh, well, that feels good. I'll try this. Maybe I'll try that, and I'll try that. And I, I don't know. Maybe that's not true. I don't know. I, I, I don't know because I don't really have 
that I don't. Hopefully, I don't have that, that uh, you know mentality, you know, addictive behavior. But. Well, the the other part that I've been certainly lecturing about for a long time, and you've heard me say this on the show too, is is the the uh, potential for addictability is in every one of our brains, right. and we are blessed with a three pound learning organ that is unbelievable. Right. So it is totally normal. I mean. You, you remember you're not you're not that ancient that you can remember back in adolescent days what do we do as adolescents we want to explore of course we want to learn more stuff right. we want novelty we crave that right 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 and that there's only one reason for that it's not because of our hands it's not because of our feet it's not because of our muscles even though you had more than you know <laughs> i ever would have it's because of our brain yeah and so those those explorations are normal, um, and that's why it drives me crazy that people talk about substance use disorder. It's not substance use disorder. We, you, you know, there are normal people all over this planet that have used a cigarette or explored a puff of marijuana right. or took a hit of alcohol. Right. That doesn't mean you're addicted. Right, right, right. That means you're normal. <laughs> that means you were learning. Sure. The problem is when the problem becomes when the switch flips right. to, man, I really, really love marijuana. Or, or, or everything that you do during your day is leading you to another chance to smoke marijuana or right i mean right the same yeah. thing with the gambling you know you wake up in the morning you're thinking about well you know what bet can i make today what or what drink can i that, that would be to me the definition of somebody who's addicted to something absolutely okay yeah sure and it's it's the end of the line yeah. um from use so substance use okay so you know a 14 year old tries a beer yeah does that mean that he or she is an addict not <laughs> no. even close, of course. nor are they dependent. But what has to happen at that point is when social norms are that at 14, that's not what you, sh what you should be exploring. Right. Let's, let's go explore Mozart and practice a little more on your violin. Right. See if you can't get high on that. Right. That would be better. Yeah. Or go hit a baseball. Yeah. You know, join a team. Yeah. Let's let and don't drink a beer after the game when right. you're 14. You know, have a pizza. Right. All right. So, and what what group are you working with now, folks? Because I know you've reached out before in the past. Maybe somebody wants to get involved and help out, especially with the people who are, you know, struggling with addiction. Where do they go? Is there any organization you recommend or? Well, I think I think that's a problem too because uh, we've siloed a lot of interests. There's there's groups that are involved in every single phase of this right so i think you know the best the best thing i could tell the listeners is um if if you have a passion or an interest or want to help um just give me a buzz okay. and and i'll explore with you because that's kind of what i'm doing right now is mostly navigating right um you, you know if if you're interested in helping with uh people with locked in syndromes and mental illness um, I know those people, right. um, and I can uh, I can connect. Yeah, you wanted to talk about that, and we only got like three minutes left. And that being alone, mental illness that has had to probably wreak havoc, in particular with COVID, with a lot of the folks that you deal with, right? 
Yeah, so I had the pleasure of meeting an extraordinary couple over in North Stonington who are running the um, National Alliance of Mental Illness called NAMI, Southeastern Connecticut Support Group. So I'm on support groups um, at 7 o'clock every single Wednesday night. Um, and it's it's just it's heart-wrenching mm. to hear the stories of folks that just just can't get help um, and because of the social isolation, it's much more difficult. Makes it worse, right? Oh, man, much worse. So you people just stay, they're in their house constantly. They don't come out, nothing. And those folks already started sort of a little bit you yeah. know, in trouble, and that just made it even worse, 10 times worse. Well, you hit the nail on the head when you said you didn't have the proclivity for, you know, for um, addiction and didn't experience well, I don't that. Know. <laughs> and, and, and that's and and that's the same yeah. thing. I mean, if if you're if if you have a lot of reserve and a lot of things to do yeah. and you can spend your entire day even if it's alone uh in your home socially isolated, yeah. you you're, you're going to come out this covid thing on the other end just fine. The same. Yeah. Um however, if you if you have a little anxiety or you're depressed or you have some mood swings and all of a sudden, you know, your check doesn't come in or um you can't get out and get food or you haven't seen a friend for 12 months. Right. That's that that really wreaks havoc on your mental distress level. 